Chapter 9. Discernment In the apostolic exhortation, Gaudet et Exaltate, I spoke in rather general terms about discernment. I would now like to take up some of those reflections and apply them to the way we discern our own vocation in the world. I mentioned there that all of us, but especially the young, are immersed in a culture of zapping. We can navigate simultaneously on two or more screens and interact at the same time with two or three virtual scenarios. Without the wisdom of discernment, we can easily become prey to every passing trend. Indeed, this is all the more important when some novelty presents itself in our lives. Then we have to decide whether it is new wine brought by God or an illusion created by the spirit of this world or the spirit of the devil. Such discernment, even though it includes reason and prudence, goes beyond them, for it seeks a glimpse of that unique and mysterious plan that God has for each of us. It has to do with the meaning of my life before the Father who knows and loves me, and with the real purpose of my life, which nobody knows better than he. Here we see the importance of the formation of conscience, which allows discernment to grow in depth and in fidelity to God. Forming our conscience is the work of a lifetime in which we learn to cultivate the very sentiments of Jesus Christ, adopting the criteria behind his choices and the intentions behind his actions. In this process of formation, we let ourselves be transformed by Christ. Even as we develop the habit of doing good, which also is a part of our examination of conscience. We do not simply identify sins, but also recognise God's work in our daily lives, in the events of our personal history and the world around us, and in the witness of all those men and women who have gone before us or accompany us with their wisdom. This helps us to grow in the virtue of prudence and to give an overall direction to our life through concrete choices in the serene awareness of both our gifts and our limitations. Discerning your vocation A particular form of discernment involves the effort to discover our own vocation, since this is a very personal decision that others cannot make for us. It requires a certain degree of solitude and silence. The Lord speaks to us in a variety of ways, at work, through others, and at every moment, Yet we simply cannot do without the silence of prolonged prayer, which enables us better to perceive God's language, to interpret the real meaning of the inspirations we believe we have received, to calm our anxieties, and to see the whole of our experience afresh in his own light. Yet this silence does not make us close in on ourselves. We must remember that prayerful discernment has to be born of an openness to listening to the Lord and to others, and to reality itself, which always challenges us in new ways. Only if we are prepared to listen do we have the freedom to set aside our own partial or insufficient ideas. In this way, we become truly open to accepting a call that can shatter our security, but lead us to a better life. It is not enough that everything be calm and peaceful. God may be offering us something more, but in our comfortable inadvertence we do not recognise it. When seeking to discern our own vocation, there are certain questions we ought to ask. 
We should not start with wondering where we could make more money or achieve greater recognition and social status, nor even by asking what kind of work would be most pleasing to us. If we are not to go astray, we need a different starting point. We need to ask, do I know myself? Quite apart from my illusions and emotions, do I know what brings joy or sorrow to my heart? What are my strengths and weaknesses? These questions immediately give rise to others. How can I serve people better and prove most helpful to our world and to the church? What is my real place in this world? What can I offer to society? Even more realistic questions then follow. Do I have the abilities needed to offer this kind of service? Could I develop those abilities? These questions should be centred less on ourselves and our own inclinations, but on others, so that our discernment leads us to see our life in relation to their lives. That is why I would remind you of the most important question of all. So often in life we waste time asking ourselves, Who am I? You can keep asking, Who am I? for the rest of your lives. But the real question is, For who am I? Of course, you are for God. But he has decided that you should also be for others. And he has given you many qualities, inclinations, gifts and charisms that are not for you, but to share with those around you. The call of Jesus, our friend. To discern our personal vocation, we have to realise that it is a calling from a friend who is Jesus. When we give something to our friends, we give them the best we have. It will not necessarily be what is the most expensive or hard to obtain, but what we know will make them happy. Friends are so sensitive to this that they can already imagine the smile on their friend's face when he or she opens that gift. This sort of discernment that takes place among friends is what I suggest you take as a model for trying to discover God's will for your lives. I want you to know that when the Lord thinks of each of you and what he wants to give you, he sees you as his close friend. And if he plans to grant you a grace a charism that will help you live to the full and become someone who benefits others, someone who leaves a mark in life, it will surely be a gift that will bring you more joy and excitement than anything else in this world. Not because that gift will be rare or extraordinary, but because it will perfectly fit you. It will be a perfect fit for your entire life. A vocation, while a gift, will undoubtedly also be demanding. God's gifts are interactive. To enjoy them, we have to be ready to take risks. Yet the demands they make are not an obligation imposed from without, but an incentive to let that gift grow and develop, and then become a gift for others. When the Lord awakens a vocation, he thinks not only of what you already are, but of what you will one day be, in his company and in that of others. Sheer vitality and strength of personality combine the hearts of young people to make them constantly aim higher. This exuberance will be tempered by time and painful experiences. But it is important for this youthful and still untested yearning for the infinite to encounter the unconditional friendship that Jesus offers us. More than rules and obligations, the choice that Jesus sets before us is to follow him as friends follow one another 
seeking each other's company and spending time together out of pure friendship. Everything else will come in time, and even failures in life can be an invaluable way of experiencing that friendship, which will never be lost. Listening and Accompaniment There are many priests, men and women religious, lay and professional persons, and indeed qualified young people, who can help the young with their vocational discernment. When we are called upon to help others discern their path in life, what is utmost is the ability to listen. Listening calls for three distinct and complementary kinds of sensitivity. The first kind of sensitivity is directed to the individual. It is a matter of listening to someone who is sharing his very self in what he says. A sign of this willingness to listen is the time we are ready to spare for others. More than the amount of time we spend, it is about making others feel that my time is their time that they have all the time they need to say everything they want. The other person must sense that I am listening unconditionally, without being offended or shocked, tired or bored. We see an example of this kind of listening in the Lord. He walks alongside the disciples on the way to Emmaus, even though they are going in the wrong direction. When Jesus says he plans to go farther, they realise that he has given them the gift of his time so they decide to give him theirs by offering their hospitality. Attentive and selfless listening is a sign of our respect for others, whatever their ideas or their choices in life. The second kind of sensitivity is marked by discernment. It tries to grasp exactly where grace or temptation is present, for sometimes the things that flit across our minds are mere temptations that can distract us from our true path. I need to ask myself, what is it that the other person is trying to tell me? What do they want me to realise is happening in their lives? Asking such questions helps me appreciate their thinking and the effect it has on their emotions. This kind of listening seeks to discern the sultry promptings of the Good Spirit who proposes to us the Lord's truth, but also the traps laid by the evil spirit, his empty works and promises. It takes courage, warmth and tact to help others distinguish the truth from illusions or excuses. The third kind of sensitivity is the ability to perceive what is driving the other person. This calls for a deeper kind of listening, one able to discern the direction in which that person truly wants to move. Apart from what they are feeling or thinking right now, and whatever has happened up to this point in their lives, the real issue is what they would like to be. This may demand that they look not to their own superficial wishes and desires, but rather to what is most pleasing to the Lord, to his plans for their life. And that is seen in a deeper inclination of the heart, beyond the surface level of their likes and feelings. This kind of listening seeks to discern their ultimate intention, the intention that definitively decides the meaning of their life. Jesus knows and appreciates this ultimate intention of the heart. He is always there, ready to help each of us to recognise it. We need but to say to him, Lord, save me, have mercy on me. In this way, discernment becomes a genuine means of spiritual combat, helping us to follow the Lord more faithfully. The desire to know our personal vocation thus takes on supreme intensity, a different quality and a higher level, 
one that better respects the dignity of our person and our life. In the end, good discernment is a path of freedom that brings to full fruit what is unique in each person, something so personal that only God knows it. Others cannot fully understand or predict from the outside how it will develop. When we listen to others in this way, at a certain moment we ourselves have to disappear in order to let the other person follow the path he or she has discovered. We have to vanish as the Lord did from the sight of his disciples in Emmaus, leaving them alone with burning hearts and an irresistible desire to set out immediately. When they returned to the community, those disciples heard the good news that the Lord was indeed risen. Because time is greater than space, we need to encourage and accompany processes without imposing our own roadmaps. For those processes have to do with persons who remain always unique and free. There are no easy recipes, even when all the signs seem positive, since positive factors themselves need to be subjected to a careful work of discernment so that they do not become isolated and contradict one another, becoming absolutes and at odds with one another. The same is true for the negative factors, which are not to be rejected on block and without distinction, because in each one there may lie hidden some value which awaits liberation and restoration to its full truth. If you are to accompany others on this path, you must be the first to follow it, day in and day out. That is what Mary did, in her own youth, as she confronted her own questions and difficulties. May she renew your youthfulness by the power of her prayers and accompany you always by her maternal presence. And to conclude, a wish. Dear young people, my joyful hope is to see you keep running the race before you, outstripping all those who are slow or fearful. Keep running, attracted by the face of Christ, whom we love so much, whom we adore in the Holy Eucharist and acknowledge in the flesh of our suffering brothers and sisters. May the Holy Spirit urge you on as you run this race. The church needs your momentum, your intuitions, your faith. We need them. And when you arrive where we have not yet reached, have the patience to wait for us. <laughs>